which passes um, all human understanding. And we um, thank you that peace flows from the cross into our lives. Uh, uh, and to thank you for the, the fresh flow of, of peace uh, that uh, flows into our lives today. Um, and now that um, as we look at your word together, you'll, you'll speak to us and, and assure us of that peace. Amen. Do you have a seat? Well, thank you for um, the invitation. It's lovely to be with you here today at St. Giles. I've, I've been really looking forward to this visit, having heard so much about you and, um, and, and all the things that God has been, been doing here and at work in, in, in your lives and the story of this church over, over many years, and, and, and especially in recent times, the uh, the, the the sense of of, uh, of God's hand just leading and and uh, I've been lovely to get to know Lee a little bit and uh, over the past few months and um, I'm very thankful uh, to him uh, to you Lee for your ministry here and your leadership um, alongside lots of others who I know share in leadership with you ministry and all you bring um, and I want to do for a few moments this morning just to look at that reading. Uh, from Ephesians, an amazing passage. I'm sure many of you will have read it before. If you've never read those verses before, look them up, find them later in the Bible, and just read through it line by line. Amazing um, prayer uh, of the apostles, um, not just for the church in Ephesus, but for the church, the whole family of God, um, and by the Spirit of God, the family of God, down through time and history, which means a prayer for us as well this morning. And I want us to look at these verses and just to have in, in mind and to think about what is the church for? Why does St. Giles exist? Why are we even here this morning? What is all this about? Um, there's a little volume called The All Better Book. I don't know if you've ever come across it. Um, and in it, children try to solve some of the world's uh, most challenging problems um, like what to do about global warming, for example. Um, and uh, there are certainly questions a lot... They were very nice questions you children, young people asked me this morning. This book was packed with really tough questions. And one of the questions the children were asked was this. With billions of people in the world, someone should be able to figure out a system where no one is lonely. What do you suggest? And here are some of the answers the children gave, like Kalini, aged eight, who wrote, people should find lonely people and ask their name and addresses. Then ask people who aren't lonely their name and address. And when you have an even amount of each, assign lonely and not lonely people together in the newspaper. (laughs) So there's a a girl with a definite gift for administration. (laughs) Sort this problem out. We're going to organize it. Um, Uh, Then there's Max, age nine, who wrote, I think we should make food that talks to you when you eat. (laughs) It's a really good idea, isn't it? For instance, it could say, how are you doing? And what happened to you today? Isn't that great? Um, And then there's Matthew, age nine, and he responded like this. He said, I think we could get people a pet or a husband. And he does go on, or a wife, and take them places. Um, so 
interesting perception he has of marriage, but anyway, he's kind of got... It's all about relationship. Um, but actually, the most touching response by far came from um, a boy called Ben, aged eight, who wrote this. Sing a song, stomp your feet, read a book. Sometimes I think no one loves me, so I do one of these. With billions of people in the world, someone should be able to figure out a system where no one is lonely. And for centuries, the smartest grown-ups who've ever lived um, have devoted themselves to exactly this problem. The God-designed hunger for community. It's why Plato wrote The Republic. It's why Augustine wrote The City of God. It's why so many of our stories and our movies and our poems and plays, they're about the longing to experience community on a deeper level. And so you won't be surprised to hear me say uh, that there's a reason for that. It's because it's why God designed us. He designed us for relationship, deep relationship. Um, Above all, with the creator, with God himself, and out of that, with one another. So with thousands of people living in Nottingham, someone should be able to figure out a system where no one is lonely. And of course the answer is they did. God did. Um, Dallas Willard, a great Christian writer, um, put it like this. He said, God's aim in human history is the creation of an inclusive community of loving persons with himself as its primary sustainer and most glorious inhabitant. This is the church. This is us. This is why we exist. It's what St. Giles is all about. Um, This is, in the end, why we have bishops um, uh, and clergy. And it's why we have Sunday schools and church schools and daycare centers and food banks and debt advice centers and why we have ministry teams and and cleaning teams. It's it's even why we have PCCs and deanery synods and diocesan synods. All these things, the only, the, the only point they have is in so far as they are engaged in what I believe is the most beautiful thing going on anywhere on our weary planet, which is growing the church of Jesus Christ, enabling people to be reconnected with God the creator in relationship with him and to find themselves in community in relationship with others around Christ as the primary sort of focus and sustainer of our life Um, and all of you if you've been part of the church for years or even just a short while um, you'll have some experience of just what that's meant for you to be in relationship with God and to feel a, a deeper sense of connection to others around the person of Christ. Of course, we express that most powerfully, don't we, in, in, in the communion, um, this we're going to do later this morning. Um, but we know that there are um, 1.2 million people living in the Diocese of Sutherland, Nottingham. Um, and uh, at the most generous estimate, um, about 40,000 of those people um, have a, 
a very real sense of being connected to God in Jesus Christ and being in community around the person of Christ. Um, So God has entrusted to us um, a beautiful thing, a really beautiful thing to help people uh, to grow in that connection and in that community and to invite people into that community of loving persons. But how are we going to go about doing that? How, how can St. Giles go on playing its full part in, in God's plan for this community, this parish, um, and its part in the diocese? Well, this reading in, in Ephesians, I think it gives us a huge amount to pray for. Um, uh, but I want us just to notice two things that I think are a mark of a church that wants to grow towards its full potential in Christ. Two things to notice. First of all, uh, a church that wants to grow in its God-given potential will have unlimited vision unlimited vision and then secondly it will have uncommon humility unlimited vision uncommon humility let me just point you to those two things uh, in this this passage first of all unlimited vision Uh, the apostle paul writes this Um, he says now to him this is verse 20 now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. It is far too easy to set human constraints on what God might want to do in our lives or through us. Um, But you know, God loves to surprise us. Um, And Paul had come to understand that in his own experience. Um, He'd come to understand that there... Whatever his imagination could, whatever he could conceive that God would do, that God, God has power to do infinitely beyond that, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And my prayer for St. Giles, as you consider together your priorities for mission, is that you will, you will think bigger and bigger and wider and younger and deeper. Um, not in a, ma- a manner that... Um, is either self-assured or despises small things. We, we must celebrate every little thing that God is doing. Um, but we remember in the end that our vision of God compels us to look beyond ourselves and to look beyond our constraints. Um, in C.S. Lewis's book, uh, Prince Caspian, there's a, a lovely scene where uh, Lucy um, finally encounters Aslan again after a very long time apart. Um, she's not seen him for, for what seems like ages. And then in the story, she suddenly meets Aslan again. And she's gazing up into his wise face. And um, she says, Aslan, you're bigger. And Aslan replies gently, well, that is because you are older, little one. And then he goes on and explains. He says, every year you grow you will find me bigger still. Isn't that lovely? Every year you grow, you will find me bigger still. I love the way that C.S. Lewis just weaves the, the, the Christian gospel into his stories. Because, of course, that's how it is for those of us who follow Christ. This is how it should be for the church as we continue to step out in faith. That actually we will find that as we grow, our vision of Christ will grow. He won't seem smaller. He will seem bigger. Our imagination will expand again. 
And, and that's what I would, would urge you in, in your life, in your, uh, in your ministry together, in your planning, your thinking, in your praying, um, that you will expect as you grow that, that Jesus will grow and that you will find yourself drawn into new things and into new ways of reaching uh, all those who God longs to draw into uh, new community with him and with his people. Um, we're called to be a people of unlimited vision. I don't know what that might mean for, for you personally and individually. Um, what constraints, even those of us who've been Christians for a long time, we can find ourselves sort of putting constraints around us of what we imagine God might do. Maybe because of some disappointment in the past, something that, that just didn't work out as we hoped. Maybe even because we thought God had promised something to us and it, it just didn't turn out as we planned. Um, and we need to come back to this prayer and, and to recognize that while there are constraints to what we could imagine happening when it comes to us, when, when it comes to God, there are no constraints. And it may be again that we need to allow God just to expand our vision um, on the basis of who he is. It is according to his power that is at work within us. Not the power or wisdom that we could muster up. So a church that wants to grow towards its full potential in God's purposes will have and be committed to an, a God who has an unlimited vision. Um, but also there will be uncommon humility. And this is, this is the other part, the other side of it. You see, Paul begins this glorious prayer by saying um, in verse 14, for this reason... And that reason has been described and, uh, in, in the first uh, two and a half chapters of Ephesians is a glorious description of the gospel reminding um, the, the Ephesians of what God has done for them, um, the wonderful riches that they now share. And, and Paul says, for this reason, with all of that in mind, um, I kneel before the Father from whom Every family in heaven and earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. Now, we live in a society which is ferocious in defending every kind of independence. Um, we, we tend to want to be in full control of our own destiny. Um, and uh, there's something, I think, probably going on in the debate whether to stay in uh, or to leave the EU, which is about that. Um, now, I'm, please don't think I'm making a political point here. I'm not. I've not yet decided myself how I'm going to vote. But I'm simply acknowledging that there is in all of us the pull of self-determination, which can be very beguiling in every sphere of life. And do you know what? This can actually creep into our life as Christians. Um, we can think of ourselves as a sort of a little island uh, and, and, and uh, we sort of need to defend our independence as an individual follower of Christ. We can, uh, churches, local churches can become like that. Um, and according to the Bible, we are designed by God not for independence, but for dependence. We are dependent creatures. We are meant by God to depend on him and in the family of God to be able to depend on one another. Now, that's not in a way that 
either abdicates personal responsibility or erodes uh, liberty. But it's recognizing, as, as uh, one poet, John Donne, once famously put it, that no one is an island entire of itself. Everyone is a continent, a piece of the main, he said. No, again, that's not, please don't think that's a political statement. It's not. Um, uh, but in, in the same way, I think churches sometimes um, and Christians can sometimes become an island to themselves. And this is not what God intended. He intended us to be connected together as the people of God and to be connected across the family of God um, all around the world. Um, and that's some... Um, was Jesus' vision. That was his prayer. On, uh, in John's Gospel, John 17, Jesus was praying for that unity that would be expressed in the life of his people together. Um, but making ourselves truly dependent on God and, and upon each other requires an ever-increasing measure of humility. Um, in some of his final published words, John Stott um, wrote this. He said that dependence is the most characteristic attitude for the radical disciple. Dependence is the most characteristic attitude for the radical disciple. I believe it is also the most characteristic attitude for the radical church of God. And how do we express that dependence? Well, of course, by coming together in all sorts of ways, but I think above all, we we express it most powerfully in prayer. Um, by, by, by acknowledging um, that every good gift comes from God and every good thing going on in our world flows from him. And so we, in prayer, express that utter dependence. That's why Paul says, for this reason I kneel before the Father. Um, and I believe that your, your best and your most strategic and most creative work in this parish, will be done on your knees or where, however you, you pray. Or, um, I think this is how God propels us further into his glorious purposes to see lives changed, communities transformed. Unlimited vision, uncommon humility. Um, well, I am deeply thankful for your, your ministry here at St. Giles. I thank God for all he's doing here, the plans that he has for you. Um, and I would um, I'd encourage you simply um, to uh, go on growing um, in uh, that which God has given to you, um, to fulfill the potential that he's put uh, amongst his people here with unlimited vision, but also with uncommon humility together. With 1.2 million people living in this county and diocese, Someone should be able to figure out a system where no one is lonely. They have. And they've entrusted to us, God our Father, entrusted to us the gracious call of Christ to invite people into relationship with God and into a community centred on Christ. And I, for one, I'm looking forward to uh, sharing with you in the weeks and months and years to come, what that will mean for us, for St. Giles, for the diocese, for our mission with all God's people in this county. And may God bless us in this to his glory. Amen.